Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello and welcome to episode six of Broken Records. My name's Stephen Hill from the Riot Act podcast. Doing this as part of the Riot Act stable. And he's Renfrey Deadman, also doing the same thing as what I just said. Hello, Renfrey, how are you? Hello. Um, slightly bemused by the, <laughs> the, the amount of pausing time that you took between some words there. But other than that, uh, fairly good. Yes. How are you doing, Steve? I'm all right. Thanks, mate. I just thought I'd mix it up a little bit. I don't know why. <laughs> Basically, hello. Hello, everyone. Thanks for uh, joining us and listening to the, this show where we search for the worst album ever made by anyone ever. It used to be a segment, as I said, on our show, Riot Act, which is a weekly music podcast. And we've decided to give it its own little thing, its own world to exist in. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an episode all about Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan's 10th studio album, Self-Portrait, which was released on the 8th of June, 1970. It actually aired on our show, Riot Act, back on episode 89 on the 17th of April, 2020. Mm. So it's a little while ago now. Yeah, what, um, on, what on earth but... is old Bobby Dylan doing in uh, a podcast about the worst albums of all time? Hey, eh? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Yes, this is the thing, Renfrey. See, now this is not would not be one of our personal choices as a bad album. But as I have explained a few times as we start the intro for this, we never decided to just grab a load of albums we hate and slag them off. The, the intention was to kind of Google albums and see what the general consensus of the worst albums ever made was. Mm-hmm. It could be because of their poor critical standing, because of something... Uh, that happened during the recording of it something happened post the recording of it from a negative fan backlash from even the artists themselves disowning the record there are Mm. many reasons why these records get put into the list for broken records this particular one um i guess is one of those ones that is uh well i don't really want to spoil it but i suppose people just didn't really get it at the time i think it's probably fair to say i i think we ended up putting it in due to the critical appraisal of it which at the time was not good Mm. so yeah let's let's just leave it at that as a little tease let's just let's just leave it at that and let you guys um hear us kind of um wading our way through that as we did Back on the 17th of April, 2020, um, here is Renfrey and I discussing Bob Dylan, self-portrait. Should it be in there or not? Find out for yourself. Broken Records, where Renfrey and I delve into the archives of music and we try and work out exactly what is the worst album of all time. Uh, we have got some stinkers in there so far. Yes, we, do. Um, we have Six Feet Under's uh graveyard, graveyard, classics, classics, two. Cla- graveyard <laughs> classics two we've got um Eogan quigs self-titled debut record we have um the uh the second album one 
by Dirty Vegas. <laughs> we have, which is still very, very confusing, even even a week later. Uh, we have Streets in the Sky, which started it all by the enemy. And uh, way off in the distance, we have the um, very odd Metal Machine music by Lou Reed. Um, and Lou Reed is going to be joined, finally, by somebody of some note today Uh, because we're talking about bob dylan Mm. the album self-portrait the 10th studio album from the legendary singer-songwriter bob dylan a follow-up to the classic nashville skyline uh which features lay lady lay um, one of dylan's best known songs um self-portrait was released on the 8th of june 1970 a double album of covers live tracks instrumental tracks plenty of guests um dylan's first album uh, uh, of the 1970s and the second double album of his career um after the essential blonde on blonde album four years earlier um when asked why he released a double album he said i mean if you're going to put a lot of crap on it you might as well load it up um before we get into <laughs> it renfrey what yeah presumably you're a bob dylan fan um i think bob dylan is probably the greatest and the worst musician of all time <laughs> depending on what era you're what era you're <laughs> yeah, uh, talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. um you know the early stuff that everyone goes on about is absolutely wonderful my personal favorite dylan album is uh, bringing it all back which contains mm-hmm. ooh, subterranean homesick blues uh Mr. tambourine man uh Oh, he's going to get it. I'm going, I'm going to get it because it's annoying me that I can't remember what other brilliant songs were on here. Oh, fucking hell. Maggie's Farm. Um, oh, Gates as of, covered by Regent's Machine. As co- yeah, very, very, very different version. Gates of Eden. Uh, it's, all, it's all right. Mara, I'm only bleeding. Fucking brilliant song. Um, mm. Bob Dylan, in my opinion, has never released a all killer, no filler record, even bringing it all back home. Uh, which is a wonderful album, has uh, Bob Dylan's 115th Dream on it. Um, bit of advice if if you want some songs to avoid, if it contains the words Bob, Dylan's and Dream in it, just avoid it because he's done a few of those and they're all shit. Um, but so when he's good, he's amazing. Uh, I've seen Bob Dylan live, Steve. Have you ever seen Bob Dylan How live? How was that? Fucking atrocious. No, Fucking atrocious. Of course he is. My mum Fucking actually saw him. So... I, I like listening to Bob Dylan because it's basically my mum's favourite artist right. ever. Right. Uh, and she used to play Blood on the Tracks a mm. lot when I was a kid. And she saw Bob Dylan. She told me she saw Bob Dylan um, before I was born. So going back into the sort of mid-70s, it might have been kind of Blood on the Tracks. Because Blood on the Tracks is 75, I want to say. That sounds I want to say right. It's about, it's the mid-70s anyway. Um, and... Um, so she saw him then and she was like he has lost it he's passed it he was fucking absolutely terrible uh, and that was in 1970 and that was in 1978 77 whenever it was she saw him but um yeah so i don't really have much desire to go and see even though he is a living legend bloody bloody blah um i don't really have much desire to go and see somebody who i'm pretty sure is gonna be way 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 past their sell-by date personally mm. Mm. well i saw him in 2003 when i didn't have the perspective um that you've just showed uh, and i was like bob dylan fucking great yeah. um and uh you know it's been quite well reported like how 
dreadful he is now. Um, but, you know, he doesn't play guitar anymore. He just plays keys, which is not really the Bob mm. Dylan that people think about or like. Um, he was at the s- sort of side of the stage. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be front and centre to be amazing. Uh, Maynard James Keenan, for example, but absolutely no charisma whatsoever. Um, his voice, whilst his voice has never been super, super strong um, and, and hasn't, it's never really been the point of what Dylan does. Um, his voice is really shot to shit these days. Um, it was a very, very long two hours, um, not helped by the fact that I was with two rabid Bob Dylan fans who would probably praise a box of his shit as the best album of the last 20 years. Um, so yeah, they're about, aren't they? Yeah, who, who had very, very kindly... I mean, they'd driven me to the show. They'd driven me from Oxford to Birmingham to see the show, so I didn't want to be rude. So I was like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? But it was fucking awful. Um, well, that seems like quite a good place to go into self-portrait, Renfrey, talking uh, about obsessive Bob Dylan fans who think that everything Bob Dylan does, even a bucket of his own shit, <laughs> is absolutely brilliant. Because around the time of 1970, Bob Dylan was considered the voice of his generation, which is quite a lot of um, pressure to put on the shoulders of a young man in a country as divided as America was in the early 1970s. Yeah, definitely. Um, Uh, and he'd had a a motorcycle accident in 1966 and had kind of taken a step back um, from what he had been tending to do. uh, Rather than a step back, because obviously he had released records since then, but he had um, kind of had a... things like that like kind of near-death experiences tend to make you reevaluate what is and what isn't important in your life. And I think um, around that time so much hyperbole was written about bob dylan not just as a musician but as the some kind of messiah savior messiah some sort of savior um there's also was a trend around the time to kind of bootleg and black market all of his concerts and tape trade them um that was the the demand for his material that people would obsessively collect any kind of document they could find of bob dylan Hmm. performing or singing um so with all that in mind there is some kind of wondering about what this record is and what actually it was inspired by Hmm. um do you have any initial thoughts as to what this record is before we go into it um i have a theory as to what this record is but um it wouldn't be an initial thought. It would probably be a summing up thought. So, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. There seems to be a couple of different camps. Now, some people believe that this is a very personal take on the double album and that the self and the portrait are represented by either side of the record. One of those people, do you know who thinks that, Renfrey? Our good friend, Robert Christigou, the uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the uh, music reviewer of some note uh who we have spoken about pretty much every time we ever go to review uh, a record retrospectively yeah. now um we get the thoughts and feelings of robert christigou because he tends to get things insanely badly wrong oh my um, god yeah. 
and does he say with... this is the best record of Dylan's career or something? <laughs> he says conceptually, this is a brilliant album, which is organised, I think, by two central ideas. First, that self is most accurately defined and depicted in terms of artifacts. In this case. Pop tunes and folk songs claimed as personal property and semi-spontaneous renderings of past creations frozen for posterity on a piece of tape and perhaps even a couple of songs one has written to oneself, to which one responds. Second, that the people's music is the music people like. Mantuvani strings and all. Now, he used quite- one a lot in that. <laughs> I don't like that quite what he means by that i don't really know but i think what people were kind of getting at is this is supposed to be some kind of i mean the album's called self-portrait uh it's a double album there's covers of some sort of traditional folk songs on it i think people thought oh we're getting a double album which is a kind of autobiograph autobiographical version of dylan's life where he kind of tells his story and then looks back at his story Mm-hmm. Uh, almost i think right now that's like way off i think <laughs> I, mean, I think that's nonsense yeah um others just believe this is bob dylan desperately trying to distance himself from his increasingly demanding farm fan base um particularly for the record after... i think that's nonsense as well right okay so um uh he described um uh, the the music industry as leeches uh, and in an interview with Rolling Stone in 1984 when talking about this album he said this he said there'd be crowds outside my house and I said well fuck it I wish these people would just forget about me I want to do something they can't possibly like that they can't relate to they'll see it and they'll listen and they'll say well let's get on to the next person he ain't saying it no more he ain't giving us what we want you know they'll go on to somebody else but the whole idea backfired because the album went out there and people said this ain't what we want and they got more resentful and then i did this portrait for the cover i mean there was no title for the album i knew somebody who had some paints and a square canvas and i did the cover up in five minutes and i said well i'm going to call this album self-portrait so that's what bob dylan himself said about the release of the record of course that's 14 years after yeah the release of the record now it might be true it might be all one big ruse uh it might be him backtracking on the way that people felt about it i don't really know um but what i do know is that what we got as mentioned is a bob dylan double album full of covers and reworkings of songs and live tracks uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll split it. Down. It's twenty-four songs, yeah. uh, seventy, just shy of seventy-five minutes. Uh, eight are Bob Dylan originals. Um, some of those eight are live versions, and some of them are just originals that haven't been heard before. Six are covers of traditional folk songs, and the remaining ten tracks are covers of songs by the likes of Paul Simon, Gordon Lightfoot, uh, the Lomax Brothers, mm-hmm. if you recall. Um, so yeah that's what it is um still when it was released i suppose you should talk about the critical assessment that it got which is kind of why it's in this section here Mm. four words are the summation um ultimately of of what the critics thought what is this shit (laughs) is the opening line of a very famous rolling stone review which gave it one star as did many of the publications at the time uh the 1991 book the worst rock and roll records of all time named it named it the third worst album ever made number one 
was Lou Reed's Metal Machine music, incidentally. Mm. Um, so presumably we should put this above that. Um, but what is it about this record, do you think, Renfrey, that make people hate it so much? Um, my theory is that Self-Portrait is effectively an album of studio outtakes and b-sides uh an odds and sods collection if you will um before the concept of a b-sides album even existed that's yeah. my theory um dylan in 1985 uh what was this for Cameron Crowe interviewed Dylan for his liner notes to the 1985 biography box set. And Dylan said, self-portrait was a bunch of tracks that we'd done all the time, uh, uh, that we'd done all the time I'd gone to Nashville. So for his previous record, Nashville Skyline, we did that stuff to get a studio sound. To open up, we'd do two or three songs just to get things right. And then we'd go on and do what we were going to do. So this is effectively studio a lot a lot of this not all of it but a lot of it is effectively studio outtakes yeah. from the Nashville skyline sessions um which were just you know songs that Dylan was mucking around with or covers just to get everything sounding good in the studio that's what it is and mm. um when taken with that context when considered to be a b-sides collection or a odds and sods collection or whatever i don't think this is that bad at all um as is the case with all b-sides collections the quality varies wildly um to i mean to give an example nick cave and the bad seeds released a three disc 56 song three and a half hour b-sides and rarities collection imaginatively titled b-sides and rarities um and well, he's better than that isn't he <laughs> well, we, from nick cave i'd expect a bit more but um you know and that album as you'd expect 56 songs three and a half hours uh taken from 25 years of recorded music it's all over the place of course it's all over the place but it very sort of clearly states look this is b-sides and leftovers um there are some absolute gems on there there's some songs which i never really need to hear ever again um but taken with that context it was reviewed very well i checked it on metacritic it's got a score of 75 and there's plenty of b-sides records these days which will get you know relatively good scores most of the time people will say this is only for you if you're a massive fan of said artist but you know yeah i think at the time and, and i'd be curious if you can think of one and i'd be curious if anyone can think of a record that came before this album came out this is 1970 that would have been termed a b-sides collection because i think that bob dylan accidentally made the first ever collection of b-sides effectively yeah i mean i was gonna say again much like last week um when looking at dirty vegas and trying to see it through the eyes of people who really loved house music Mm. and much with lou reed a few weeks ago where we're now looking at kind of experimental avant-garde noise music Mm. but having to look at it through the or listen to it with the ears of people that had never heard this genre existing before mm-hmm. this surely is about the context of time I, yeah uh, this you know i mean in fact you don't have to look too hard 
uh, online for kind of revisionist reviews that tell you that actually this album is really good. Absolutely, there are there are those um, that those uh, those reviews up already. You know, I say already, it's been out since nineteen seventy, but um, you know that they're very very easy to find. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other reason that I was going to bring up is, and I kind of half mentioned it with Dylan being the kind of the voice of the generation and you know the Woodstock generation, and I feel like Bob Dylan was somebody in in nineteen seventy. He would have been somebody that those people demanded something real and raw from. They demanded kind of guidance and a scathing takedown of from society from Bob Dylan. Hmm. And in, what they got in this record is him going la dee 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 yeah. over a brass band on Wigwam. Yes. So yes, there's very there's very not... little on this record which you could say is giving any. I don't think there's anything on this record actually which is giving any sort of socio political um commentary or anything like that i mean there's a song on it called woogie boogie which is as silly as the song title suggests but Mm. you know it's two minutes long and actually for a b-side i think it was perfectly fine actually you know if we're calling this a b-side but of course at the time no one would have been calling it a b-side people viewed this as bob dylan the savior the messiah's the 10th album 10th album yeah which i think is not i don't think that i think that's completely the wrong context for it and i think that is exclusively the reason why this album has got um as many negative reviews as it's got i mean i can't remember what publication you said it was but third worst album ever that's insane it's absurd there's so there's loads of great stuff on this record the opening track all the tired horses is fucking beautiful goes on a bit Oh, it goes on a little bit, but it is really it's a bit beautiful. Too long. I it's... knew you'd like that because it's just one thing happening over and over and over again. <laughs> so I'm like, Bob Dylan goes post rock. <laughs> it goes, it goes on a bit, you know. Uh, but there's a lovely orchestra. There's female vocals on it, which are absolutely lovely. I, I don't. I'm not even sure if Dylan's on that song. I don't think he is. No, I don't think he is. He he, he, he did wrote, he wrote it. it. Yeah, he wrote yeah. it. But I don't think he's even on it. You know. Um. But uh, and yeah, it's pr- it's probably a minute too long. It's only three and a half minutes, though. I mean, we're not we're not talking. You know, it's not insanely um, OTT. Um, there's it's a... just one refrain over and over, though, isn't it? So yeah, it but quiet. but what a ref- it's a beautiful it refrain. Is a, it, yeah, it's it beautiful. Is, to be fair, yeah, you know, um, days of forty nine is a cover of one of the Lomax recordings. Um, mm-hmm. which has this wonderful like honky-tonky, uh, honky-tonky, honky-tonk-esque piano to it. It's a really great version. Um, he tell- Let It Be Me, I think, is great as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a, a cover of, uh, well, it's a French song mm-hmm. um, by uh, Gilard Bucot. I'm not even going to try and pronounce their, their <laughs> weird French names. Weird French names. They're weird um, French But yeah, it was, it was a kind of French um, hit. Uh, from 1955 and it, it sounds really good dylan up you know yeah yeah um there's another great cover take a message to mary tells a really beautiful narrative and you know it's not dylan's original lyrics or or his original story but he tells that story brilliantly um take a message to mary but don't tell her where i am take a message to mary but don't say i'm in a jam you can tell her i had to see the world or tell her that my ship's at sail you can say she'd better not wait for me but don't tell her i'm in jail beautiful you know it's lovely and he delivers it really really well there's a song copper kettle which is really really good it's not as good as the joan byers version which she would do later but then she's a much better vocalist than dylan ever was quite like got to travel on i mean there's loads of stuff on here which is really really good there's also loads of stuff yeah. which is not but then that's the nature of yeah, size records isn't it <laughs> yeah know? i mean let's be honest here this isn't a great 
Dylan record. I mean, this is definitely, no. definitely not a good Bob Dylan album. No. I mean, you know, it, but what it is, in fact, is barely really an album at all. It, it is what we said it is. This is a this is the first ever unreleased B-Sides demos live album. Yeah. And some of it's decent and some of it, I mean, I would say to kind of, to put the, the sort of, to say what I don't like about it, um, the live version of uh, Like a Rolling Stone is, is all over the shop. It's not I think good. the cover of no. the boxer, I think the cover of the boxer um, by Simon and Garfunkel is dreadful. It feels like they're doing it over Skype. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, no, it's like two pissed up blokes walking down the street singing "I Predict a Riot." It's fucking <laughs> absolutely all over the place. Um, and Bob also seems to be doing less of his painted hey, "It's me, Bob Dylan," and more of that kind of croonery thing, which is yes, he's not terrible at doing it. It's just a little bit odd, isn't it? I mean, I think he'd like you say the Nashville sessions. He'd kind of introduce that different type of voice, but hearing yeah. him do quite a straight cover of "Blue Moon." Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is 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 just you know a, a bit weird. Well, it's him trying to be Elvis Presley, which is really yeah. odd. Um, I said last week, oh, brilliant! I'm going to get to do my Bob Dylan impression, and sadly, no, I'm not really because he doesn't do his thing at all. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I, I just did it though, so thank thank fuck for that. Um, yeah, well I, thanks. Um, I mean, you know, it's. Yeah, it it is all over the place this record, but there's loads of really good stuff on it, um, mm. and I, I, there's plenty of B sides collections that I could name which are far far worse. You know, there's a few that I can name which are better, but like it's yeah, I, it's it's all about context. I think in terms of why Absolutely. this was reviewed so poorly, and mm. um, you know. I think I, I don't think it's awful that it's in this broken record section. I don't think this is a broken record at all. Um, I just think people didn't understand what it was at the time because it never been done before, as far as I'm aware. Although, do let us know if mm. you do think of one. Uh, the only one, also... the only one I thought of, which I think was the same year, Coda by Led Zeppelin. But then, okay, yeah. that's not quite the same because that is a that was an unfinished record. Yeah. So I don't think that is the same as a B-sides collection mm. either. So, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, the press, the negative press goes overboard. Way uh, overboard. They tend to go overboard. And it did like to give it, you know, for you metal fans listening, like it's almost like Load, what happened with yeah. Metallica on Load, isn't it? It's like, you know, the, although, you know, Load was definitely wasn't done just to deliberately fuck people off. I think there is a there is a, a little bit of like, you know, they cut their hair and went, well, we're just going to do whatever we want to do. do you... And I think there may there may be a little bit of, you know, and this is definitely not the worst deal. I mean, go and listen to Knocked Out Loaded and come back to me and tell me this is the worst Bob listen, Dylan listen album. To, like... Listen to Saved and tell me this is the worst Bob Dylan album. There are way worse yeah, Bob Dylan yeah, albums yeah. than this. Definitely. Do you remember, yeah. I've said a few times, probably when we've been talking about Frank Turner or someone like that, I've, I've said that like uh, people who adore folk music can be as sort of antagonistic and frankly unreasonable when mm. it comes to this sort of thing as metalheads this is what yep. I'm talking about. It's it's this kind of attitude where it's like, what are you talking about? Basically like, oh, you're not saying anything um, that's mm. important or anything like that. So fuck you. You know, it's like, well, why do you have to do that on every record? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nonsense. It is. I mean, I was going to ask, I mean, I think Bob Dylan probably invented the B-Sides album. Did he also invent trolling and shitposting as well? Well, quite possibly. Album? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, you know... <laughs> It is like, again, Bob, he does feel like he's there deliberately kind of trying to wind the audience up a little bit, which, you know, 
as in metal and you know with a comparison with metallica going fuck it let's cut our hair mm. and him doing this and going electric you know judas and all that kind of stuff mm. i think mm. um you know the the best artists do go yeah let's let's fuck with our very kind of regimented fan base totally um, yeah and yeah I, I mean i've really got no problem with this record at all neither do i no no i don't there are there are you know there are songs on here which are rubbish but like i say given you know i didn't really like in search of little sadie i, I know that song is a traditional song and and i don't like yeah. what he tries to do with it it's rubbish like you said that version of like a rolling stone from the 69 isle of Wight festival is not great there are far better live versions of like a rolling stone out there than that mm. um you know th- there are there are shit songs on here but then you know <laughs> name me a b-sides collection that doesn't have shit well there probably are a few b-sides collections that don't have a shit song on it but there aren't many there's probably not many probably one hand that you could count them on i would have thought yeah for sure so in terms of rankings um god you're gonna get your maths all over the fucking shop now, <laughs> yes you? i think i will like this is number one <laughs> no this is number seven well um, well this is the easiest for me because it is indeed mm, the, for me this is easily the best album that we've reviewed in broken records which means it is number seven right uh so it's actually we've done is it number this, six this would be the sixth one so number six yeah um i'm gonna challenge you on this a little bit actually Ooh. Okay. Uh, Graveyard Classics, Eog and Quig, Dirty Vegas, Enemy. Yeah, I mean, just bye bye. Yeah. You're yeah, off in yeah. the distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But off in the distance is Lou Reed's Metal Machine mm. music. Thought now, this might come up. Yep. Now, for me, uh, I think this is an all right version of Bob Dylan doing some all right stuff, but it is far, far, far from him at his kind of his apex at his very very best now i'm not saying metal machine music is the best lou reed album i was gonna say but it's certainly the most notorious and influential album that we've we've done on this this show and it's as we said at the time the album that best defines and delivers what it first set out to deliver if Mm -hmm. bob dylan was trying to troll his fans i don't really think he succeeded because some of this is all right if he wasn't Mm -hmm. trying to troll his fans and he was just trying to release a good record he's also not done that either because this is not blonde on blonde but it's also not you know so bad that although the reaction to it is insane i don't think it's it's quite a subtle bit of trolling really Mm -hmm. uh, unless i'm you know totally missing the point so it may not have general, been it may not have been subtle at the time to be fair but i mean yeah, looking back on it 50 not. years hence it seems really quite subtle now but at the time it might not have been but yes i understand what you're saying yeah. but then you also aren't sure that it's actually a troll no. i think whatever you think about it and yes inventing the b-side album is a very kind of worthy noble and excellent thing to do because like you say there have been some really great b-sides collections mm-hmm. over the years um i still think metal machine music delivers what it set out to do much more successfully i think it still has uh, the edge on this record not particularly because i'm probably more likely to go back and pick a song from this and listen to it again but i don't really think that's the point and it's a tough one to to kind of to compare those two these two records together mm. but oh, i yeah, do yeah. think but but i do think I mean, it's quite hard to compare metal machine music to fucking anything really but i do think metal machine music 
is more influential and has delivered the thing that it said it was going to do or it intended to do much more uh, successfully than this record does. I think it depends um, what sort of list we're trying to create here. If we're trying to create a list which is um, albums that set out to do something and completely and utterly fail at it, um, then I would probably agree with your placing of self-portrait. But for me, the reason why I prefer self-portrait to metal machine music is I personally got little to no enjoyment out of metal machine music. Whereas this is a 74 minute record. I reckon half an hour of this is great. If 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 I made a compilation of the best songs on this record, I'd have a, a relatively short Dylan album, but I'd have a very good short Dylan record. I, I know I know that I kind of won this argument last time when we had a when we had a um a, a similar um uh, discussion over Dirty Vegas and the Enemy. But I, I think the list that we are making is we're trying to find the worst record. And whilst metal machine music does succeed at what it sets out to do it it, metal machine music had no it didn't even want to be a good record whereas whether dylan wanted this to be a good record or not um there are points where it is actually quite a good record so Mm. i i suppose in the in the traditional sense of am i going to sit down and listen to it yeah i think you're probably right in the sense of which record works more, this is broken records. Which record works more? Which record succeeds the most? I still think Metal Machine Music succeeds the most. It is less broken. It is fundamentally broken to shit because of what it is, though. So that actually does make it quite difficult. But um, on, on its entire like conception was fucking broken. So on, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Aren't B sides records broken by their very nature? Because you know it's incredibly difficult to make a cohesive B sides record. Of know, course it example. is, but but you know we are calling this the first b-sides record mm, even mm. though it's officially bob dylan's 10th album yeah 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 i mean we've both said he's done worse records he's done worse records than this that's true that's true um okay again this week i'm going to concede and i'm going to put bob dylan above lou reed's metal machine music Thank you. More because I think I probably would listen to this again, uh, whereas I don't really need to listen to metal machine music. Yeah. Um, well, actually, that's one. That's one more point. I know. I know. I've effectively you've already conceded, but that is one more thing. This is the first broken record that we've covered that I would consider purchasing. Um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't if I saw this in FOP for three quid, five quid, I'd probably pick it up because I think there's enough mm-hmm. on it, which is which warrants having it in my collection i mean i wouldn't recommend anyone go to this record especially if i was trying to get them into dylan but there's good stuff on it so Mm. yeah well let's see what comes out of the hat for next week renfrey that's uh bob dylan's self-portrait see people thought we're going to be super negative about stuff i Uh, just to kind of hammer that point home some of these albums in here they're not albums that we just think are shit that we're going to slag off they're albums that have been you know 
incorrectly reviewed. Yeah. And yeah. we're hopefully making people, you know, some people might look at the reviews of that and go, oh, I'll never listen to that, even though I like Bob Dylan. And you're right. I think there's, you know, it's an interesting flavor, flavor of Bob Dylan on here. Yeah. But anyway, enough about Bob Dylan, because next week we are going to be talking about <laughs> Viva Brother. Famous first words by Viva Brother. Right. Okay. Um, know nothing about that myself. Mm, I kind of know the name, and I'm a bit like, oh, <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so there you go, Mr. Robert Zimmerman is there in the list for Broken Records, and we'll be back for our next episode next week, as you probably just heard us say, with Viva Brother. Um, it's not as good that. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Not as good as what we just mm, talked about. That is but true. Um, anyway, thanks very much. Yes, very, very true. But thanks very much for listening. I think that was a, an interesting episode. And um, if you would like to hear us talk more about music in a positive light, do go over and find us at Right Act, our weekly show, our bread and butter, or over on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Right Act podcast, where you can contribute and you can hear some incredible exclusive content from classic albums to albums suggested by you, our patrons. Uh, we'll be back next time talking about Viva Brother and the Britpop revival that they tried to inspire. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, worked out well. And um, yes, uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.